I'm Linda Yanta with Yanta Ranches in Rangi, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I know the weather is causing trouble in a lot of areas of the state this week. I pray that you and yours are staying safe in the midst of a tough week. In the meantime, I want you to jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Russia-Ukraine war continues without any end in sight, and the questions keep coming in on how this war is affecting agriculture around the world. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Wildfires continue to burn in various regions of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report on the, the fires in Eastland, Erath and Hood counties on Texas Ag Today. There are a lot of cattle in Texas High Plains feed yards right now, but that doesn't necessarily translate into a lot of profit. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. There are lots of conversations about carbon credits going on in farming communities lately. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I'll give you an update in my report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. As the Russia-Ukraine war continues, the questions keep coming about the effects of this conflict on agriculture around the world. At the recent Commodity Classic in New Orleans, we caught up with Texas native Tom Sell with the agricultural lobbying firm Combest Sell & Associates. Sell says this war has been a humbling eye-opener. When you see uh, a real war over land like this, it kind of puts everything uh, in an important perspective. Also, Uh, creates real logistical difficulties in the supply chain. We've all become more familiar over the last two, two, two and a half years with supply chain economics uh, due to the pandemic. And and now we're seeing this current situation in Russia, whether it's uh, what it's doing to the grain markets, uh, all on the question of will they be able to harvest their wheat in the spring, plant their spring crops, uh, whether it's how much fertilizer will they be able to use, and even if they are able to harvest, in the spring, on their on their spring crops, will they be good yields if they don't have any any fertilizer? What about fertilizer and its availability and the other uh, uh, crop production products uh, in the U.S.? Everyone has these questions right now. And Sell says that while the American farmer is facing incredible challenges this year, he has every confidence that they can overcome those challenges and continue feeding the world. Water is a precious resource here in Texas, and you can help preserve it by participating in a new survey. 
If you have a few minutes and care about the future of Texas water, you may want to fill out a new survey from the Texas A&M Natural Resources Institute. The Institute developed the Texas Water Survey to determine the daily use and management of water resources across Texas, as well as the challenges, concerns, and water recreation experiences of Texans. The voluntary survey has 55 questions in 10 topic areas. It is anonymous and confidential. The results from the survey will be shared with water professionals and community leaders to provide decision makers with input from Texans and ways to recommend and develop programs, information, materials, and technical guidance on water. Those who respond to the survey will be entered to win one of 15 Yeti Texas Land Trends tumblers. A link to the survey is available on txlandtrends.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattlemen from all over Texas will be in Fort Worth this weekend for the annual Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association Convention. It kicks off on Thursday afternoon with registration and runs through Saturday evening. The convention will be held at the Fort Worth Convention Center in downtown Fort Worth. Wildfires continue burning in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has an update. My guest today from College Station is Aaron O'Connor with the Texas A&M Forest Service. And Aaron, it's been quite a battle the last several days uh, for uh, you folks at the Forest Service and and local firefighters in north central Texas, specifically, uh, of course, Eastland County, Erath, and Hood Counties. Give us an update on on Eastland uh, Complex fire. The Eastland Complex burning in Eastland County, Brown County, consists of seven wildfires currently. Several of those ignited on March 17th and several of them ignited on Sunday, March 20th. As a whole, the complex is approximately 54 thousand acres and 30 percent contained. What about the devastation in the town of Carbon? The town of Carbon was immediately threatened as a result of the Eastland complex. The fire behavior was extreme on Thursday evening as a result of the strong winds and the critically dry grasses across the landscape. So it quickly escaped suppression efforts, threatening towns, closing roads, and ultimately it did damage 147 structures, including homes and outbuildings. And unfortunately, one Eastland County Sheriff's deputy died in the line of duty while assisting with evacuations on that fire. Aaron, tell us about the Erath and Hood County fires, the Big L fire. The Big L fire is currently burning in Erath and Hood counties. It started on March 20th. It is currently an estimated 11,000 acres and 20% contained. So is a Texas A&M Forest Service investigating the cause of these fires? Yes, the agency's Law enforcement wildfire investigators are currently on scene to determine the cause of these fires, as most of them are still unknown and under investigation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are a lot of cattle in Texas feed yards right now, but James Hunt tells us that doesn't necessarily translate into a lot of profit. Our feed yards are running full. That's Brady Miller with Texas Cattle Feeders Association describing the state of affairs across TCFA's three-state membership area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. Miller says TCFA estimates that on March 1st, the headcount in the region's feed yards was roughly 6% above the five-year average. I'm not surprised because of the drought. If you look at what's going on with the drought, these cattle have to go somewhere because there's not enough plant life going on in the country. 
and so these cattle are coming in the yard. Miller says the huge influx of new cattle entering feed yards is represented by an estimated 15% jump in placements when comparing last month's totals with February 2021 placements. Miller also says there's been a substantial increase in heifer and cow slaughter as drought appears to be accelerating herd liquidation throughout much of the country. If you look at a drought monitor map today, James, drought is affecting somewhere in that 60% range of where the cows are located. And so if you look at a drought map and you put that over where cows are being produced, the drought is right dab over the top of those cow production areas, which is alarming. Meanwhile, even with prices around $1.38 a pound last week, area fed cattle sales generally came out to no better than break even on a cash basis. We weren't making money, but weren't losing money. So I think in today's world, we'd all would like to sit here and make as much money as we can. But with the volatility in corn and the volatility in cattle, that's just where we're at today. Cattle feeders' budgets are under a lot of pressure right now from high feed costs. As once you add in the local basis, corn is running about $8 a bushel. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are lots of conversations going on regarding carbon credits in agriculture. Barry Mahler gives us his take on those conversations. At the recent Farm, Ranch, and Hemp show in Wichita Falls, one of the more popular educational programs was conducted by Dr. Bart Fisher with the Agriculture and Food Policy Center. The program was on carbon credits for agriculture. There's been a lot of discussion about agriculture's role in carbon sequestration going all the way back to 2009 when the American Clean Energy and Security Act was passed. Because polluters' emissions were capped, their cost would increase by either adopting technology to reduce those emissions or from buying offsets. The goals were to include a 50% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 compared to 2005 levels. Agriculture offers an opportunity to sequester carbon and build credits through enhanced conservation measures. Reduced tillage and adding cover crops are two examples of the way farmers can achieve the goal. The less disturbance of the soil limits release of carbon back into the atmosphere, and of course, having a growing crop gathers carbon and puts it back into the soil. Now, this all seems like a good plan. You have manufacturers under mandate to meet the standard, and the choice is to purchase expensive technology to reduce emissions or hire a farmer who's already adopting these conservation measures to do it for you. The challenges seem to come from implementing what seems like a great plan. The first challenge is to quantify just how much carbon is taken from the air by each of these practices. The measurement seems to be more of an estimate than a hard number, and it varies with weather conditions, how well the cover crop grows off, how long it's left in the field, well, and the list goes on and on. It's difficult to come up with a hard, consistent number year in and year out. Then there's record keeping. To make this work, tracking will be important, and just how much does it cost, and Well, at the end, what's the value to the purchaser? Now, some of the problems cited by producers I've talked to are, of course, the record keeping that always comes up. It consumes a lot of time and money per acre. And the fact that the payment is only offered on doing something new on each acre rather than payment offered for practices already in place. Now, many farmers are already using no-till and cover crops, but they won't be eligible because it's not a new practice. Dr. Fisher's advice is to go slow before entering into a contract and, of course, always read the fine print and probably wouldn't hurt to have the advice of a good contract lawyer. 
This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Texas bass fishing continues to be hot, hot, hot. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have an update on the Toyota Sharelunker program coming up on Texas Ag Today. And influenza is a common disease in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, this is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, I've spent my entire life in agriculture, and I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather all increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. I want you to write this number down, 833-897-2474, 8972474 Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. I want you to call the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number again. 833-897-2474. That's 833-897 2474. Or if you can't write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. The Texas Agri Stress Helpline. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Influenza is a common disease in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says all horses that are in contact with other horses should be vaccinated for the flu. This is flu season for horses as more folks are getting their horses out as the weather gets warmer and exposure to disease increases. There are many different flu vaccines containing different strains of the disease, and there is some concern about the immunity developing in the horse if different vaccines are used. Initially, some equine practitioners believed that if a different vaccine was used, the horse would need to get a booster in 30 days. To determine if this was correct, a study was performed using 64 horses previously vaccinated against equine influenza. Some of the horses received boosters in 30 days after the initial vaccines, and some did not. It was shown that even if the vaccines were different, there was no advantage to giving adult horses a 30-day booster. So regardless of the vaccine chosen, most horses developed a significant response to the vaccines. Certainly, using the most current strains of vaccines is a good idea, but it's not the most important fact in determining equine vaccines to use. The main concern is to use a flu vaccine and booster every six months, regardless of the type of vaccine. However, as we have found out with COVID-19, no vaccine is 100%. A couple of years ago, Dr. Wendy Vela with Merck Animal Health performed a study on horses diagnosed with equine influenza and found that although we usually expect influenza in young horses, the disease was commonly found in horses up to nine years old. So it is no longer just a young horse disease. The flu virus is difficult to know the current strain as the virus in horses and even in people undergoes antigenic drift as the strains change. But the current study indicates all of the vaccines seem to provide some protection for horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
Texas bass fishermen are hauling in some lunkers this year. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Thanks to the contributions of Texas anglers this year, the future of largemouth bass fishing in Texas continues to be bright. Each year, anglers who reel in largemouth bass weighing more than 13 pounds have the opportunity to loan the fish to the Toyota Sherlunker program for selective breeding at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. After those fish have spawned, their fingerlings are then stocked back into Texas lakes to continue to create bigger and better bass in Texas. Due to the large number of bass that have been loaned to the program so far this year, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has halted collection of those largemouth bass for selective breeding. Legacy class Sherlunker submissions will still be processed on site by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, meaning biologists will still meet the angler at the lake to take measurements, record official weight, and collect genetic samples for analysis. Anglers can then return their fish to the lake. The Sherlunker program doesn't just end when the loaning period ends this year. Kyle Brookshire, Toyota Sherlunker program manager, explains another way that anglers can contribute to the program. And throughout the entire year, we collect catch and genetic data from those fish over eight pounds that anglers catch. So they submit those through our mobile app or our website. They basically take a a few photos of the measurements of the fish, submit that in, and then take a scale sample and send that with the entry as well. Details on how to do that are available on TexasSharelunker.com. This year's leaderboard with the names of those anglers who have caught lunkers weighing more than eight pounds is also available on that website. That is TexasSharelunker.com. We'll have more on this year's hot Sharelunker season in the coming weeks. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mostly lower trade in the cattle market on Tuesday, while the grain markets took a bit of a breather after a run-up earlier in the week. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded mostly lower on Tuesday. In fact, we were lower across the board on live cattle with April down 62 cents, 139.42. The June down 65 at 135.70. August live cattle down 35, 136.92. Feeder cattle, same thing, except the nearby March. It was up 22 cents at 156.32, while the deferred contracts were lower. April feeders down 62 cents at 160.57. 
The May down 32 at 165.42. Cash-fed cattle market still quiet so far this week. We've seen some early asking prices from feedlots in the south at 140 to 142. Boxed beef prices were higher Tuesday. Choice up 99 cents at 259.49. Select up a dollar one, 253.51. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to talk about how Russell Heller and crew sold cattle at Lexington on Saturday. The regular Saturday sale there. Russell, how was it? Yes, sir. Had a good sale. 921 total head with 107 cows. Walk the pins with us. All right. The thinner packer cows, 30 to 55. And the better cows, 56 to $1.01. On the steering bull kids, 3 to 400 pounds, 120 to 235. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to $2. 5 to 6 weights, 110 to 188. 6 to 7 weights, $1.05 to 175. 7 to 8 weights, $1 to 161. On the heifers, 3 to 4 pound heifers, 115 to 195. 4 to 5 weights, $1.10 to 185. 5 to 6 weights, 105 to 170. 6 to 7 weights, $1 to 160. 7 to 8 weights, 95 to 135. Were you pleased with the condition and the quality of the cattle? Yes, sir. Quality was real good this week. Had a lot of good calves. Good. How did your buyers accept them? Everybody liked them. They were all in trying to buy a few of them, and the market was good. What's the weather supposed to be like in your country? Um, it's raining right now when I'm talking to you, and it's supposed to be some higher wind and rain all day today, so that's good. We need the moisture. That's right. What do you expect for this next Saturday, Russell? Yeah, I know the two sets of calves. One's going to have about 15 and the other one 25. Good deal. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this next Saturday sale in Lexington. Yes, sir. You can get me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Russell Heller, Lexington Livestock. They sell them every Saturday. Russell, we'll talk to you later in the week. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, I guess we'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Larry Marble. We'll do so right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with our program, Walking the Pins. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close mixed. The April contract down 37 at $100.25. May hogs up 15 at $111.22. Class 3 milk was mixed. March milk down 2 cents, $22.38. April milk up 47 at $24.21. The cotton market finishing the day mixed. The market has run up about 10 cents over the last four trading sessions, so it is a bit overbought. Some traders taking profits out of the market on Tuesday. We close with the nearby May contract up three points, 130.04. October cotton up 15 at 113.46, while December dropped 15 cents to close at 108.01. The corn and wheat markets both settled down a bit on Tuesday after that big run-up we had Monday to start the week. We finished mixed in the corn market with May corn down three and a quarter, seven fifty-three a bushel. New crop September corn up three and a half, six eighty-five and a quarter. Wheat finished mostly higher. July Kansas City wheat up six and a half, eleven oh nine and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up eight at eleven oh one a bushel. In the energy markets, April natural gas up 25 cents at 5.15. April crude oil down 82, 111.30 a barrel. The financial markets were slightly higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 254 points at 34,807. The Nasdaq up 270, 14,808. While the S&P was up 50 points at 4,511. 
That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.